at Genesis 27 <coughs> again this evening. <coughs> Excuse me. Genesis chapter 27. And <coughs> let's just pick it up from verse 6 as we begin. Genesis 27 and verse 6. It says, And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord, before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and, shall seem, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go, fetch me them. And he went and fetched, and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands, and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread, <coughs> which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. Let's open with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord, Holy Father, we thank you that we come again this evening now around your word. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, bless our time as we continue to consider, Lord, this uh, passage before us. Uh, Lord, I pray that this evening uh, you would once again teach us through your word, <clears throat> that you would instruct us, that, Lord, we would uh, learn of you this evening, and that it would indeed be your words, it would be your thoughts, and that, Lord, we would leave this evening uh, singing your praises and giving glory and honor to your name. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. Now, of course, we, we began looking at this uh, well-known event uh, this morning, and we considered the two parents involved. We looked at Isaac and Rebekah. And we said that, sadly, Isaac, in his old age, had lost sight of the will of God. He got his eyes off God's will, and he was determined to make his favorite son, Esau, the one who received the blessing. He was determined to bless him. Even though God had very clearly declared when they were still in their mother's womb that he was not to receive the blessing, God had very clearly declared that it was the younger son who should be blessed. And not only that, um, by his very life, Esau had you know, disqualified himself. He was a carnal man and he had taken two heathen wives. So he disqualified himself from the blessing, but instead, uh, even though Isaac knew this, he still chose to rebel against his God. Now, on the other hand, Rebekah, <coughs> as we saw, was determined to make sure that God's will was done at any cost. She knew Jacob was God's choice, and she knew that <clears throat> what her husband was determined to do was sin, and so she sprang into action quickly to prevent this from all taking place. And of course, the problem was that she sought to do it by sinful means, deception. 
And in this, we saw her imperfect faith. We saw her failure to realize that God is able to overcome any obstacle. You know, it doesn't matter what man does. God's will will be done. You know, God is greater. God is more powerful than any man and can overcome any circumstance. And this evening now we come to Jacob and his part in all of this. And we see first of all here this evening Jacob's concern. <clears throat> we see Jacob's concern there in verse 11. It says, And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. <clears throat> now upon hearing his mother's plan to prevent Esau from receiving the blessing, you know, his worldly carnal brother from receiving this blessing from their father, you know, and this plan to prevent Isaac from committing this sin, upon hearing this, Jacob is uh, quite content to go along with the plan. He's fully on board with this plan. He, like his mother, knows that God has promised him the blessing. He knows it belongs to him also because you know, Esau sold him the birthright. He knows it belongs to him. But as he considers the plan, he does have concerns about it actually working. And he expresses those concerns as we read there in verse 11 and 12. You know, by this time, Isaac is blind. As we saw this morning in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, that he could not see... He called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here I am. Verse 1 tells us clearly that he's blind. He's not able to see. But you know, Jacob knew that his father's sense of touch was just fine. Even though his eyes are no longer work, Jacob understood that his father, you know, he could still feel, he could still touch. And he knew that, you know, when he went in to see his father, his father would, all he would have to do is just touch his skin and all the, all, immediately, sorry, immediately he would know that he was not Esau. Immediately the deception would be uncovered. You know, the words here in verse 2 where it says, I shall seem to him as a deceiver. Let's just read verse 12 again. It says there, My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. Those words there, I shall seem to him as a deceiver. Uh, they need a little bit of explanation because the word deceiver there actually means mocker. And the sense is that if he were discovered, he would seem to be mocking his father's condition, his father's blindness. Now, commentator Morris writes this, the word actually means mocker and it seems to suggest that discovery of the plan by his father would make him seem to be mocking his father's blindness. This was Jacob's concern rather than that his father would think him a liar. And so his concern is that his father will think he's mocking him. And so what we see here is a glimpse of, you know, the fact that he's not exactly comfortable with deceiving his father, is he? He's not exactly comfortable with this. He doesn't want to mock his father. He doesn't want to show this lack of respect under his father. Now, Jacob also knew that if he was discovered, that, you know, rather than receiving a blessing, he would receive a curse. He says, you know, there's consequences at the end of verse 12 there. He says, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And so his concern is, he says, you know, I'll go in. My father will touch me. He'll figure out it's 
not Esau, it's me, Jacob, and he'll curse me rather than blessing me. He'll get angry with me. Rebecca responds to this concern in verse 13. It says, And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. And they obey my voice and go fetch me them. Rebecca's response to Jacob's concern is to assure him that if he is discovered when he goes into the tent, she says, I'll take the blame. She says, thy curse be upon me. You know, if any curse was involved, she says, I'll take it upon myself. I'll take full responsibility for these actions. Uh, one commentator wrote this, She evidently relied upon the word of promise and thought that she ought to do her part to secure its fulfillment by directing the father's blessing to Jacob. And to this end, she thought any means allowable. Consequently, she was so assured of the success of her stratagem as to have no fear of the possibility of a curse. That really is the, the sense here. She is not afraid. She, she basically says, there's not going to be a curse. I know this is going to work. She's confident that this plan will succeed. She's confident it will succeed because she knows the promise of God. She knows God's will. That's what she's relying upon. That's what she's banking upon as we saw this morning. That's her motivation for this all. And so she's convinced that it's going to work out for good. Not immediate good, okay, as we saw this morning, but good in the sense that it would stop Isaac from committing this sin and it would ensure that God's will was done. Jacob would receive the blessing. And having heard his mother's assurance and again being asked to simply obey her instructions, Jacob goes out and he selects two kids of the goats and brings them back. Let's just read again verse 13. It says, And his mother said unto him, Upon me, be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. And so he went out, he found two kids of the goats, he killed them and he brought the meat to Rebekah so she could prepare this meat in the way that their father liked. And while the meat is cooking, Rebekah then goes about making the rest of the preparations for this uh, plan, for Jacob to pass as Esau. And in verse 15, we see that she has some of Esau's clothes there in the, the tent with her, and she gives them to Jacob to wear. Verse 15 says, And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. Now when it says house there, it's referring to the tent. And so she had Esau's clothes with her, and she gives them to Jacob to wear. And this is all part of the ruse, because this was essential to make sure that Jacob smelt like Esau. Okay, another one of Isaac's senses that was still working just fine. Okay, make sure that he smelt like his brother. But not only that, of course, she took the skins of the goats and she prepared them in a way to mimic the skin of a hairy man, verse 16. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And so we see Rebecca, she'd thought about Jacob's concern, hadn't she? She'd already thought of this concern and she already had the answer. Okay, and so she takes the the skins of the, the goats, and she prepares them. And we're not told how, but in some way, she attaches them to his hands and to his neck. Now, I don't know about you, but I've always wondered how this deception would even work. I mean, 
goat's skin is not the first thing that I would think of to feel like a man's hair on his hand or on his neck. Uh, one commentator noted this, but he said, we must not think of European goats whose skins would be quite unsuitable for any such deception. It is the camel goat of the East whose black silk-like hair was used even by the Romans as a substitute for human hair. And so apparently there's this particular goat and its hair actually does feel like human hair. Okay? And so it seems like that is the goat that's used here and that's the skin with the hair that's attached to mimic his brother. And so now wearing Esau's clothes and having the, the skin of the goat upon his hands, upon his neck, Jacob would smell like and feel like Esau as he went before his father. And in verse 17, it says, And she gave the savory meats and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. And so he takes the meat, takes the bread which his mother's made, and he now goes to enter in to his father's tent to carry out now the deception. And that's our second point this evening. We see Jacob's deception. Jacob's deception. Let's just read from verse 18. It says, And he came unto his father and said, My father... And he said, Here am I, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near. I pray thee that I may feel thee, my son, <clears throat> whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy as his brother's, uh, brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat, and brought him wine, and he drank. We see Jacob now, with all the preparations made to you know, smell like his brother, to feel like his brother, and indeed to have the food that his brother would have brought. He enters into his father's tent now to carry out the plan. You know, we can imagine that as he entered in, he probably wanted to speak as little as possible. Because, you know, his voice is the one thing he can't conceal, isn't it? You know, his voice is the one thing he can't change. You know, he could probably try. But he can't conceal his voice. You know, being brothers, they probably sounded somewhat alike. But Isaac is their father, and he would have known their voices. You know, he would have known their voices. But as he enters in, he has no choice but to speak. He has to announce his presence and we see that in verse 18 it says and he came unto his father and said my father and he said here am I who art thou my son <clears throat> excuse me and so he enters in and he immediately has to speak he has to announce his presence to his father now and as soon as he spoke his father then asked him who he is you know already you can sense that Isaac is a bit dubious, he's, he's skeptical about who this is, and so he asks who it is, and, and Jacob is immediately forced into a corner, isn't he? He's forced into a corner where he now must lie, 
for the deception to have any chance of success. And commentator Morris writes this, Isaac was expecting Esau, and he could no doubt smell the dinner. So his presumption was that it was Esau. Nevertheless, the voice didn't seem quite normal. So he asked directly which of his two sons it was. You know, I, he come, Jacob comes in, he's got the, the food with him, the meat that's been prepared, and you know, Isaac can smell the food, but the voice doesn't quite sound like Esau's. You know, Jacob had probably hoped that his father wouldn't question him at all. You know, that would avoid a lot of this. You know, that his father would just assume that it was Esau. But this question leaves him with no choice but to be as persuasive as possible. And so in verse 19, we see that he flat out lies. He tells his father that he is Esau and that he's brought the meat as requested. Verse 19, it says, And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau. Thy firstborn, I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. You know, he flat out lies, doesn't he? You can't excuse this. We can't paint this in any other light. He lies. He says that he's Esau. He says that he's obeyed his father's instructions. He says that he's brought venison before him. He lies. And Isaac's response shows us that he is still suspicious. In verse 20, at the start there, it says, <clears throat> And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And so he's still suspicious, isn't he? You know, he still thinks this is a bit strange. This doesn't add up. He's surprised that Esau has been able to find the meat so quickly on the hunt, that he's had success so quickly. And this question again backs Jacob into yet another corner. And he now has to lie again to, you know, about how he was able to come by the meat so quickly. And in doing so, he lies about the Lord. In verse 20, it says, And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. It includes the Lord now in his lie, and that's, that's a shameful thing, isn't it? He includes the Lord in his lie. You see, little by little, Jacob is compounding his sin, isn't he? He's compounding it. You know, lie leads to another lie to maintain the deception. And still not convinced that Jacob is Esau, Isaac now calls for him to, to come closer so he might touch him. Verse 21, And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. Now this was Jacob's concern, wasn't it? That his father would want to touch him, would want to feel his hands. And that's exactly what happens. He calls for him to come closer so he might feel his hands and know if he was exactly who he claimed to be. You know, as he approached his father, this was probably the most nervous time, you know. Is this actually going to work? Is this... You know, the, the goat's hair going to pass the test. This would make or break the whole plan. And in verse 22 to 23, we see that the skins pass the test. It says in verse 22, And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. You know, the, the skins pass the test, and he says, you know, he feels like Esau, but he sounds like Jacob. 
And so he asks one final time, point blank, he says, Are you indeed Esau? Verse 24. And he said, unto, and he said Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And Jacob has to assure his father one more time that he is indeed Esau. He doubles down upon his lie. And Isaac is finally convinced. And in verse 25, he asks Jacob to bring the food so he might partake and then that he might bless him. It says in verse 25, And he said unto him, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. Now the whole way through this episode here, we see Jacob not acting in a very godly way at all, don't we? He doesn't act in a godly way. Now, his every action here is filled with lies and deceit to make sure that the plan is successful. And there is no excusing his actions here. Now, without doubt, his actions are sin. You know, God's word has a lot to say about lying and deception, doesn't it? Let's just go over and look at a few passages. 2 Corinthians chapter, th- chapter 11. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3, we read this, it says, By our fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Satan here is said to have beguiled Eve. And that word beguiled there means deceived. You see, Satan is the great deceiver. That's who he is. He is the deceiver. And we know that from the Garden of Eden there. There was the deception. He is the great deceiver. And so it's clear that deception is not a godly trait, is it? It's not a godly trait. It is a reflection of Satan, not a reflection of the Lord. Now, likewise, John 8.44 calls Satan a liar from the beginning. Let's go there. John chapter 8. John 8.44 says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the last of your father ye will do, He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. There is no truth in Satan. He is is a liar from the beginning. He is the father of it. He is the father of lies. And Christ, on the other hand, is the truth, isn't he? You know, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so as followers of the Lord, we are to speak the truth. We are to be fair. We are to be honest in our dealings with men. You know, Matthew 5, 37, Yea is to be yea and our nay is to be nay. We are to be honest and fair and just. You know, our word is to mean something. And yeah, we could go on. We could look at more verses concerning this fact. We know it well from God's word. And perhaps Proverbs 12, 22 sums up the whole point perfectly Let's just turn there and read it. Proverbs 12, verse 22. In Proverbs 12, 22, verse we know well, it says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delights. That sums it up well, doesn't it? Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But they that deal truly are his 
delight. The point is, there is no denying that Jacob's actions here were sin. He sinned. They were an abomination under the Lord. They did not please, they did not honor God. He didn't deal truly and honestly with his father, but rather with deception and lies. And it's because of this that many focus their attention on Jacob. We sort of talked about it a bit this morning. But they focus their attention on Jacob and upon Rebekah, as we saw. And Jacob in particular, he's hammered for cheating his brother out of the blessing. He's called a scoundrel and portrayed as doing all of this for selfish material gains. Indeed, he's portrayed as a carnal, fleshly man. One commentator wrote this, he said, He was a weak and pliable man. He had little moral strength to resist temptation. He had long meditated on evil things, and to such a man, the opportunity, sooner or later, will present itself. The ambition to obtain the coveted blessing was long cherished, and the hour of temptation came and secured him as an easy victim. And indeed, that is the opinion of a lot of people. That Jacob here is a carnal, fleshly man. He is a weak, pliable man. He had no moral strength, no ethics. You know, that he purely wanted this blessing for his own personal gain. You know, he's the main focus of criticism in this passage. But you know, if that is true, then we need to ask this, ourselves the question, why is it that God does not rebuke Jacob? It was interesting this week I was studying. Jacob is not once in the whole of the book of Genesis criticized by God or rebuked by God. Not once. If this story here in Genesis 27 is all about Jacob's carnality, if it's all about Jacob's fleshly desire and the lengths, lengths that he went to to get what he wanted, why does God not rebuke him? Why is there no rebuke of Jacob? Morris writes this, Why is it that God did not rebuke Jacob and cause Isaac to withhold the blessing from him? Or even after Isaac had blessed him, why did God, not, why did God later confirm the blessing? The rebuke was solely for Esau and the repentance was Isaac's, not Jacob's. You see, as you consider the passage, the one who is rebuked later on is Esau and the one who has to repent is Isaac. Not Jacob. The one who has to repent is Isaac for trying to go against the will of God, as we saw this morning. Isaac's the one in sin, trying to go against God's will. And he is the one who has to repent and acknowledge that he sinned. You see, the point is that we cannot consider this story, we said it this morning, we cannot consider this story in isolation without considering what we already know. We know from chapter 25 something about Jacob's character. And why God chose him instead of his brother. Esau was the carnal one. Chapter 25 makes that clear. Esau was the carnal man seeking only the worldly pleasures. It was Esau who despised his birthright and then given it up for a bowl of stew. Not Jacob. Jacob in that passage was declared to be a plain man. A perfect, mature, pious man. And he showed his desire for the spiritual when he purchased the blessing from his brother. He wanted the spiritual things. As we said when we looked at that passage, he went about it the wrong way. 
but he wanted the spiritual. And so we know that Esau was a carnal man. Jacob was a pious man seeking the spiritual. And so we must ask ourselves the question, as we did this morning, we must ask ourselves the question, what is Jacob's motivation here when he agrees to this deception? Was it really to cheat his brother out of the blessing? Is that Jacob's point here? Is that Jacob's motivation? Was it for selfish personal gain, as many suggest? Well, knowing the character of Jacob, it would seem clear that like his mother, his motivation was the spiritual. His motivation was a concern that God's will would be done. And there is nothing in the passage to suggest otherwise. And that's the key in all this. We've got to, we've got to read God's word and take what God's word says. And there's nothing in the word of God to suggest otherwise. That he does this with this spiritual concern in mind. He's a spiritual man with spiritual concerns. He's aware that God has promised him the blessing. That he, you know, his mother knows that. His mother would have shared that with him. And he knows his brother is a carnal man. And he knew that what his father was going to do was sin against the will of God. And therefore he agrees to this deception, believing like his mother that it is the only option. It is the only solution. And indeed, the only thing, I thought this is interesting that I thought about this week, the only thing that they accomplish by this deception in the presence is stopping Isaac from sinning against the will of God. Do you notice that? The only thing that this whole ruse accomplishes in the presence is stopping Isaac from sinning against God. And giving the blessing to Esau. That's the only thing that it does. Because at the end of the chapter, as we know, Jacob has to flee. You see, the point is, there is no present benefit whatsoever to Jacob in doing this. None whatsoever. And all of this is said not to excuse their actions. No, as we said this morning, what they did was wrong. It was born out of a right desire. But they went about it the wrong way. They sought for God's will to be done, but they sought to accomplish it through sinful means. And as we said this morning, the end never justifies the means, does it? The end never justifies the means. Now, Rebecca and Jacob, what they should have done is they should have got together and had a prayer meeting, shouldn't they? They should have got together and they should have together prayed to the Lord for a solution. They should have got together and prayed for God to change Isaac's heart, to open his eyes to his sin and what he was about to do. But they didn't. They saw a problem and they panicked. And we can relate to that, can't we? They saw a problem and they panicked, thinking there was no other option but this deception. Yes, they sinned, but the greater sin in the passage lay with Esau and with Isaac for seeking to go against the will of God, to thwart God's will. And perhaps that's why there is no rebuke of Jacob and Rebekah here in this passage. But even though there is no rebuke, there was consequences, wasn't there? There was consequences to their actions, to their sin. You know, Jacob, after this event, he's forced to flee from his home because his brother wants to kill him. So he has to flee <clears throat> and he has to go and live with his uncle Laban. And Rebecca never sees her son again. 
after this event, when he leaves. That's it. She never sees him again. You know, Jacob received the blessing as was God's will, but he would spend years away from the promised land. He would experience hardships along the way, all because he didn't wait upon the Lord. You see, both Jacob and Rebekah were guilty of a lack of faith, a lack of trust in the power of God to accomplish his will. They were guilty of impatience. And we've seen that before this, haven't we? We saw Abraham was impatient, rushed ahead of God. We saw Isaac impatient, rushing ahead of God. Now we see Jacob doing the same thing, rushing ahead of God, lacking patience to wait for him to bring things to pass. As we learnt this morning, we must ever be mindful of making sure that we patiently wait upon the Lord for His timing concerning His will. Not rush ahead of Him. Not try and accomplish His will in our own strength. Not try and overcome obstacles, perceived obstacles, in our own strength, by our own wisdom. Beloved, we need to seek the Lord in prayer, don't we? When those obstacles come, you know, I was thinking about the Harrisons when we were praying. They've got an obstacle right now, don't they? The visas. That's an obstacle, but can God overcome that? Absolutely. And so they have to seek the Lord in prayer and wait for Him to remove that obstacle. And we have to do the same thing, don't we? There's times in our lives where we know it's God's will, but for some reason, there's an obstacle in the way. Instead of trying to overcome that in our own strength, our own wisdom, instead of panicking, take it to the Lord in prayer and wait upon Him. You see, when we rush ahead of God, there's always consequences, isn't there? There's always consequences. We may still see God's will done because God can accomplish his will even through our evil actions and he did that here with Jacob and Rebekah. God can still accomplish his will. He can use evil for good. But it's never going to be as good as it should have been if we don't do it God's way. It's never going to be as good as it should have been and there's always going to be hurt. There's going to be scars. There's going to be baggage that we have to take with us because we rushed ahead of God, because we tried to solve the problem in our own wisdom instead of waiting upon him. Beloved, let's learn the lesson from Rebecca and Jacob uh, this evening and wait upon him, look to the Lord in prayer. Let's close. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this evening. And Lord, both this morning and this evening, we've seen a, a very similar truth in the life of Rebecca and Jacob, who both had an imperfect faith and they lacked Uh, the faith to wait upon you. They were impatient. They uh, saw a problem and they panicked, Lord. And Lord, we can all relate to that. We've all had times in our lives where there's problems and we we panic and we seek to overcome it in our own strength. Lord, may you help us to learn to wait patiently upon you, to seek you in prayer and let you deal with the problem. According to your wisdom, not man's wisdom, we pray. Bless now as we close in Jesus' name. Amen.